0: I come here to ask for your support and help in my fight for workers'
1: justice because I fear for my life. That was Lourdes Maldonado, a journalist from Tijuana, Mexico, asking for help from President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. It was during a press conference in March of 2019, and she said she was afraid for her life after filing a lawsuit against a former employer for wrongful dismissal.
0: Reporter
2: Lourdes Maldonado-Lopez, a well-known broadcast journalist, was shot dead in
1: front of her home. In January 2022, Lourdes became the third journalist to be murdered in Mexico that year. A fourth was killed just days before we first published this episode, in February that year. The most dangerous place in the world for journalists to work, other than in a conflict zone, is Mexico. And one year later, it hasn't gotten better. In fact, by the end of 2022, 15 more journalists were killed, the most ever in a year. So we're revisiting this episode to ask again Why are so many journalists murdered in Mexico? And what's being done to protect them? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. When we heard about the recent spate of killings of journalists in Mexico, we decided to talk to Mexican journalists about how safe they feel while covering the news there. We'll hear from several of them in a bit. But first...
0: My name is Leon Krause and I am anchor for Univision and I'm a columnist for The Washington Post.
1: Welcome back to The Take. You are a native of Mexico and you worked in Mexico as a journalist for many years. And as clear from your Twitter feed, you're following the news there as closely as you are here in the U.S. So talk to me about how difficult it is to be a journalist in Mexico. What type of risks do journalists face?
0: (laughs) I heard a, a colleague in Tijuana, after the killing of Lourdes Maldonado, say that the reporters that were killed in Mexico had died in the line of duty, as if they were soldiers. And I think that paints a perfect picture of what is happening in Mexico. And journalists are indeed in the middle of a war, but almost completely unprotected. The government has tried to offer some sort of security assurances, but It has proven unsuccessful, at least in the case of the most vulnerable. The truth of the matter is Mexico is a a country rife with impunity. The fact that someone can just walk up to a journalist and kill them in cold blood on their doorstep when that journalist is a public figure who has already stood in front of the president himself to beg for protection, it's just alarming.
1: So let's talk about what happened to journalist Lourdes Maldonado-López, because her killing caught the attention of journalists around the world. What do we know?
0: Well, Lourdes Maldonado, she uh, was uh, a, a leader in, in the profession in Tijuana for many years, widely respected. She uh, was fearless And she went to ask for uh, protection from President López Obrador. She she said she feared for her life. And now she's gone, shot dead on her doorstep with brazen impunity.
1: Leon says that for quite some time, journalists in Mexico have faced death as part of their job.
0: A long time ago, more than a decade ago, I moderated a conversation with the leaders of business outlets, and it was clear to me that I was dealing with people who saw themselves as really soldiers in a war, and uh, who accepted as part of their daily jobs the possibility that one day what they do would lead to their dead, and that's, that's brutal. And one has to say that López Obrador is to blame for an environment that is particularly hostile to the press. He, he routinely uses his daily press conferences to denigrate journalists. When the whole country has been shaken by the death of Lourdes and these other journalists, López Obrador has insisted on attacking the profession instead of focusing completely on the need to protect the freedom of the press and journalists themselves. That is unacceptable simply unacceptable.
1: — It is unfortunate what happened to her. — This is President López Obrador reacting to Lourdes' killing in 2022. In that same press conference, he called journalists vultures.
0: — What
1: happens is that
2: some media outlets act in a biased way. Those who disagree with us will never be convinced it will be very difficult to
3: convince them.
1: Soon after, Lopez Obrador did give news of the arrests of three people, who later pled guilty. The men were convicted late in 2022. The state attorney general said they took money to commit the crime. But no motive was announced, and no mastermind has been found. And as Léon mentioned, sadly, killings like this are not unusual.
0: Well, this is not happening in a vacuum. Violence in Mexico has grown in recent years, especially during the Lopez Obrador administration with over 30,000 murders per year. And again, I, I, I really do think, although I would never say that he is directly responsible for the violence that we are seeing against journalists, that would be wrong. But this hostile environment, this hostility towards the press, is simply wrong in any country, but in a country as dangerous as Mexico, it is particularly wrong. Now, the problem in the end is impunity. If the government doesn't adopt more effective measures to actively protect the press, if the president doesn't stop attacking the press and begins really actively, historically protecting it, the consequences will keep on being tragic. And of course... Journalism in Mexico will suffer. Not everyone is willing to risk their lives for a story or a scoop. And criminals will then get what they really want, which is silence.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you said that because not everyone is willing to risk their lives for a scoop is exactly what we're seeing happening. One of the things we found really interesting in doing the research for this episode is what some journalists there are calling zones of silence. So areas where journalists have stopped reporting about crime or gangs or corrupt politicians because they're just too afraid, which leads to the question of why. Is it that the power of their reporting has such an impact on the country that they're being targeted, or is there something else?
0: Well, uh, journalism, especially the sort of courageous journalism that these colleagues do, and sadly, tragically, used to do, has an impact, of course. But the, the, the problem goes back to the fact that Mexico is a country rife with impunity. There is really no protection for not only journalists, but activists. Those uncomfortable to those in power, and by power I mean those in government, but also those in the illegal kind of power, tend to end up on the crosshairs of either one. And sometimes, and this makes, frankly, complete sense, the alternative is silence. Because if you don't stay silent, then you lose your life.
1: We reached out to colleagues and friends of the two journalists who were killed in Tijuana, Margarito Martinez and Lourdes Maldonado. We asked them about their friends and about how difficult it is to be a journalist in the most violent city in Mexico. I'm Alejandra Guerra. I'm a journalist and anchor here in Tijuana. Alejandra knew Margarito for years. She told us that he was an icon when it came to covering crime in the city. They'd been working together for the last three years.
2: They say the good
1: guys die first, right? And Margarito was so supportive, kind. We have a newsroom chat, and I still have our conversation saved there. It is a loss that I believe, in addition to being personal, a friend, a loved one, it is a loss for all the newsrooms here in Tijuana, who were left mutilated without a lens like Margarito's. We asked Alejandra if she is afraid to go out and work now. The situation has changed, so I'm afraid. You didn't think about it before. You know, you heard of other colleagues who were killed because of the type of news they were covering. But for those of us who are covering communities day to day, we thought if you go out, you can face some situation of violence in general, because this is the nature of the city. Not that somebody would come directly after you, but after Margarito and Lourdes' killings, it can be any of us. My name is Rocío Galván. I'm a journalist here in Tijuana, working for Grupo Radio Formula. Rocío was a close friend of Lourdes Maldonado. They met in Mexico City in the 80s and ended up moving to Tijuana around the same time years later.
2: She loved cats. They called her Catwoman. And she loved
1: when people referred to her that way. She was very compassionate and very temperamental. Rocio said that the violent deaths of her colleagues have shaken journalists in the city. What happened? Open our eyes to the risks that we take on a daily basis, risks that we sometimes downplay. But you know why? Because we have to go out and work. You have to bite the bullet and tell yourself, nothing is going to happen to me, and go out and work alone. Rocio spoke to the take's Ney Alvarez, who asked her if she felt scared to do her job. Yes, I'm afraid. I'm afraid because I know the size of the power of certain characters, and I know they are unscrupulous.
0: When you say characters, would you please define who are they? Are you talking about politicians, drug traffickers,
2: gangs? Yes. Sí. You're a
3: journalist, and you know what I'm talking about. They're all connected.
1: Rocio isn't alone in feeling fear when it comes to her job. We also spoke to a freelance journalist who told us about the alternatives many reporters have had to create to protect each other in Mexico.
2: My name is Andalusia Solov I am an independent multimedia journalist in Mexico,
1: Andalusia is an American journalist who's been working in Mexico for years.
2: I am the general coordinator of the organization Frontline Freelance Mexico, which is a collective effort between more than 160 journalists all across Mexico to improve our working conditions, both in terms of labor conditions and safety conditions.
1: In 2023, we caught up with her to hear what's changed in the last year.
2: 2023 is also proving to be a very violent year for communication workers and journalists here in Mexico. Um, and it's important to note that unfortunately, the beginning of last year, there were some higher profile, uh, murders that happened in Tijuana and there were protests and it was in the news. And then as the murders just kept going on and on and on, it was no longer in the news. There's hardly any headlines about it. It has just become a normal state of affairs that journalists are murdered in Mexico.
1: Andaluzza says that because independent journalists don't have a news organization to back them up, they've organized a support group amongst themselves. So when they're in dangerous situations, for example, they can track each other via GPS or let a colleague know about the circumstances they're working under for certain stories.
2: We need this support network to help journalists when they are on dangerous assignments and also help them demand from the media outlets that hire them that they should treat them with respect and care about them when they're on these dangerous assignments.
1: Leon, the biggest question people have is who is behind these killings? What have we seen over the years? What do we know about who's killing journalists?
0: Well, you just need to look at the reporting, and, and here one has to be very careful. The answer I would like to give you is that we will find out. Because if there was a rule of law in Mexico, if the killing of someone like Lourdes Maldonado or any of the journalists who have been killed, provoke the outrage, the active outrage that they should, then that outrage would lead to answers. But just like it happens in most other instances in Mexico, and by most, 95% or more of crimes in Mexico end up facing no consequences at all. So I wish I could tell you that we will eventually know through this, we probably won't.
1: One of the criticisms that I've heard recently around this is that the government often says that it's not related to their work as journalists, that they were killed for other reasons that have nothing to do with their profession. What do we know about how true that is?
0: Ideally, we would have more uh, precise information. But the reality is that when you look at, for example, the analysis that Article 19, uh, a very well-respected organization, have carried out around the killing of these journalists in Mexico. Article 19 concludes that they are related to their work. These are journalists. These are reporters. Well-known reporters in many cases, in their local newspapers, in their local radio stations. And so it's hard to believe that this epidemic is not related to the work they did.
1: How many of those cases are ever solved?
0: Less than 10%. Less than 10%. This correlates perfectly with the number of cases, in general in Mexico, that are ever solved and where those responsible face consequences. 95% of cases in Mexico never do face consequences, never, are never prosecuted. When a criminal, whoever that may be, knows that he will most likely never face any consequences, will ever be found. The incentive to carry out these horrific acts simply grows.
3: My name is Natalie Southwick, and I'm the program coordinator covering Latin America and the Caribbean for the Committee to Protect Journalists. The Committee to Protect
1: Journalists has been registering and monitoring the killing and investigations of murders of journalists and media workers in Mexico.
3: It is, unfortunately, one of the most dangerous countries in the world for the press and by far the deadliest in the Western Hemisphere. Depending on what topics, what beats journalists cover, They may be targeted by local politicians, even, you know, higher-level politicians. Definitely organized crime is a huge threat to reporters across the country.
1: There are some measures available to protect journalists in Mexico. Some are at the local level. There's also a federal government-funded security program called the Protection Mechanism for Human Rights Defenders and Journalists. The program offers full-time bodyguards, bulletproof vests, at-home panic buttons and surveillance cameras to journalists under threat. But journalists have criticized both the federal and local efforts. For example, Lourdes Maldonado herself was under the protection of the state of Baja California's program. But her friend Rocio Galvan, who we heard earlier, told us that Lourdes didn't have a bodyguard. Instead, a police car did rounds around her home once a day or so, or she would call them to say she had made it home safely.
3: There's a lot of really valid critiques of the current protection system that's in place. I want to point out that Mexico is one of the few countries in the region that even has any sort of protection mechanism for journalists. Unfortunately, a big part of that is because there are so many cases of violence and so many cases where journalists are threatened. But it's important that this exists, but it obviously could be a lot better. So first of all, we need to make sure that the mechanism, both at the federal level and at the state levels where it's active, has the resources to respond to these cases, that it's taking cases of threats against journalists seriously, and that the measures that it's providing for journalists are actually going to help keep them safe, instead of just kind of like checking a box and making everyone feel better and like they've done something.
1: Leon, of course, you and I know well that we cover... So many tragic stories as journalists, but talk to me what it's like in the Univision newsroom when a story like this breaks for you as someone who is from Mexico and who knows journalists working in Mexico and still covers these issues from the United States.
0: First of all, I have to say with very deep humility that Mexican journalists who have the privilege of working from the United States do not and will never, hopefully, face the same kind of threat that my incredibly courageous colleagues in those areas of Mexico where violence is so severe face. And our obligation here in the United States specifically is to highlight that, to put a very clear spotlight on what's happening in Mexico, not only to journalists but otherwise, because it is really terrifying and unacceptable.
1: We are fortunate enough, you and I, to be working from offices or studios. Yes. But explaining the news would be impossible without the journalists in the field, the ones who do risk their lives to cover the details. So what do you think can or should be done to protect them and to stop impunity from the crimes against them?
0: It's such a complicated question, but there needs to be a rule of law. There needs to be a rule of law. No one can feel protected, not journalists, not activists, not a normal person on the street, if you know that you are not protected by the law. The authorities in Mexico need to put an end to impunity. How exactly? That answer is longer and more complex. But our role as journalists, those who are privileged as as us to be working from a studio, recording a podcast, Our obligation is to, again, shine a very clear spotlight on those who are doing the very difficult and courageous job of working on the streets every single day in places like Mexico and many others. We owe it to the audience, but mostly we owe it to them, our colleagues, who are remarkable, courageous and heroic.
1: And that's The Take. This episode was updated by Amy Walters. The original production team was Ney Alvarez, Priyanka Telvey, Ruby Zaman, Nagin Oliai, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, Tom Fenton, Stacey Samuel, and me, Malika Bilal. Special thanks to Lorena Arroyo and Inger Diaz-Bariga. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Our engagement producers are Andy Greiner and Adam Abugad. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Nay Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.